All the dialogue is either whispered or screamed. Oh, no, not the beast! Not the beast! Ah! Oh, my eyes! Everything in the movie is on fire. Am I getting through to you, Alpha? I said, put the bunny back in the box. Calm down, Nick. Let's do our self-esteem exercises where we pay each other compliments. We're going to have a three-way with the Declaration of Independence. Welcome, misfits, miscreants, spooks, specters, astral beings from Dimension X, alien envoys from galaxies near and far, and boogers from around the world. You are listening to the Late Night Fright here on WKMF Cozy Corner of Public Radio. I am Dan, and with me as always is my very cagey, my very moonstruck, my very gone in 60 seconds co-host, Faith. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. Faith, it's Monday, and you know what that is. Please tell our listeners. It is Cage Match Monday. Cage Match Monday. This is our continuing celebration of the filmography of Nicholas Kim Coppola. But we don't call him Nicholas Kim Coppola, do we, Faith? We do not. What do we call him here we on the late night? We call him Friday? Nicholas Cage. Or The Cage. The Cage. The Cage. That's right. This is round seven, if you can believe that, of our eight round cage match mm-hmm. hence the title of the show cage match <laughs> but this is round seven and we score these films on overall film one of face favorite categories hair mm-hmm. one of face other favorite categories face and one of face final favorite categories <laughs> the undefinable cage factor that did you say voice did i say i think I did. I yes. Voice. Well, voice is also one of face favorite favorite categories. And then as I said, the cage factor, that undefinable thing that Nicolas Cage brings to life and to his roles. And we love him here on the late night fright. But so let's get into it. But before we do, Faith, it smells very good in the studio again this evening. Please mm-hmm. tell our listeners we are drinking coffee. What are we drinking tonight? We are drinking the Bones Coffee Company and it's called Highland Grog. It's a nice mix of caramel and butterscotch. It's quite a delicious blend of caramel it, and butterscotch. It is. It's very uh, good. If you've been following the show last week, we were having the Jacked O'Lantern Pumpkin Spice Coffee. Absolutely delicious. They are not our sponsors. We're just letting you know what we're drinking in the studio while we're doing the show. <laughs> Bonescoffee.com. You can find them, and they do packs of five. It's a sampler pack. You get five four-ounce bags. It is a lot of coffee, and trust me, $25, you will be very happy. You can mix and match. So speaking of mixing and matching, we got two mixed and matched movies in the cage this evening, don't we, Faith? We sure do. What do we have? We have Moonstruck going up against Gone in 60 Seconds. Two movies that are not very much alike. Not at all. But one thing they do have in common, they're both very enjoyable. Yeah. Very enjoyable. Very entertaining movies, both of them. So you want to get into it? Let's go for it. Let's go for it. Let's start with Moonstruck. What do you think? Let's do it. So Moonstruck is an award-winning romantic comedy that was released on December 18th, 1987, the film was directed by Norman Jewison, an Academy Award nominee for his work on the classic films In the Heat of the Night, starring Rod Steiger and Sidney Poitier, and the 1971 musical adaptation of Fiddler on the Roof. And Faith, there is a fun little trivia bit about Fiddler on the Roof. Do you know who won an Oscar for that film? And it was the first of his five Oscars. Who was it? 
John Williams won an Oscar for adapting the music of Fiddler on the Roof. I'm and <laughs> we have both been listening to the new John Williams album that he just released for uh, violin. He has adapted his themes for violin, and it is absolutely beautiful. If you get a chance, mm-hmm. please check that out. The script to Moonstruck is by John Patrick Shanley. He's an American screenwriter and playwright. He's the author of the play Doubt, a parable, which won the 2005 Pulitzer Prize for Drama and the Tony Award for Best Play. That play was adapted into a film of the same name and was directed by Shanley, for which he received an Oscar nomination for Best Adapted Screenplay. Moonstruck stars Cher as Loretta Castorini, an Italian-American widow who falls in love with baker Ronnie Camareri, played by Nicolas Cage. Complicating matters is the fact that Cage's character is the brother of Loretta's fiancé, Johnny Camareri, played by the great Danny Aiello. Loretta and Ronnie fall in love when Johnny flies to Sicily to be with his dying mother. The film also stars Vincent Gardenia and Olympia Dukakis as Loretta's parents Cosmo and Rose Castorini, Julie Bavasso and Louis Gus as Rita and Raymond Capomaggi, Loretta's aunt and uncle, Anita Gillette, familiar to television audiences as Liz Lemon's mother on the sitcom 30 Rock as Cosmo's mistress Mona, and the late great John Mahoney as Perry, a lonely college professor who dines regularly at the local Italian restaurant and always seems to end up with a drink being thrown on him. Yep. And Faith, you're a fan of John Mahoney, aren't I you? I am. You're a big fan of Frasier, aren't you? Mm-hmm. It's a great show. So this film was produced on a budget of $15 million and did very well at the box office, taking in $80 million upon its release, which is $176 million adjusted for inflation. It is the ninth biggest box office hit of Nicolas Cage's career. At the 60th Annual Academy Awards in 1988, the film was nominated for six Oscars and won for Best Original Screenplay for John Patrick Shanley, Best Supporting Actress for Olympia Dukakis, and Best Actress for Cher Faith. This was a first-time watch for you, and please tell me, did the moon hit your eye like a big pizza pie, and was it amore at first sight? It was amore. (laughs) I love this movie. I'm so glad you put it in our cage match because I think it's now one of my favorite movies I've ever seen. <laughs> it's it's a really, really good movie. It's so good. It's, this, is, uh, this is maybe, for me, the greatest romantic comedy ever made. Yeah, because I don't usually like romantic comedies. Mm-hmm. So I'm all for this one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and start it off. All I right. scored this for Nick's uh, for right. overall film. I gave it a perfect score right there, and I cannot overstate how truly great this film is. It does not matter. That is about an Italian-American family in New York City in the 80s. This could be any family at any time. Everybody's family is a little crazy, aren't they? Oh, yes. And life and death are two very strong themes running through the movie. In the very first scene, we see Cher's accountant character doing taxes at a funeral home. We have death and taxes in the very first scene. And references to death are thrown about all throughout the film. But with that being said, it's absolutely hysterical. I smile every time I watch this movie. And I texted you that I was smiling <laughs> when I was watching the movie. This is my favorite romantic comedy of all time. And I love it because it breaks so many genre rules. Usually in a romantic comedy, you're waiting for the two lovers to get together. That's where the fun of the romantic comedy comes. The anticipation right. of the lovers getting together. The will they, won't they, how are they going to get together. But here they just hook up. Yeah. Pretty, pretty immediately. <laughs> and we don't just get their story, though. We have all of the characters have something to do, even the aunt and uncle played by Julie Bavasso and Louis Gus. And I think their scene, 
they have a scene and I'll, I'll set it up for the listeners. If you haven't seen the movie or it's been a while, uh, he wakes up, uncle Raymond wakes up and he's standing in the window and Julie Bavasso's character sees him standing there and says, you look like you're 25 years old in that light. And you, and he gets in the bed and they make love. You can, you can, you know, they don't show it, but, uh, you can put it together. And I think it's just absolutely sweet and romantic. And it's a nice romantic scene between two older people, which you don't see too much of, do you? Not too often. No, not too often. Yeah. Um, also, the performance, the performances here. What did you think of the performances? Oh, I love. They're awesome. The whole cast. I don't think anybody else could have played these people. I think they did so good. What about you? I think everyone here is amazing. Uh, uh, everyone from top to bottom. Sharon Nicholas Cage are great yes. together. They're they're a really good couple, aren't they? You know, they she's are. a little throwed off to <laughs> herself, and I mean that lovingly. And <laughs> Nicholas Cage, as we know, we've been doing this for seven weeks now. He's definitely, definitely a little third off. But I, I do think he deserved at least an Oscar nomination for his work here. I think he's that good I think so too. in this. Um, but the parents, played by Vincent Gardenia and Olympia Dukakis, steal every scene they're in for me. So uh, another thing I really like, I like the way the story is constructed. The original working title of the film was The Wolf and the Bride, which is a reference to both the classic story of Beauty and the Beast as well as to the scene where Cher's character Loretta tells Cage's Ronnie that he's a wolf. Uh, Ronnie lost his hand in an accident, and she says he's like a wolf who chewed his hand off to get out of a trap, the trap being the relationship he was in at the time. Uh, let's see. And since we're here for Cage, he is amazing in this movie, and he and Cher are absolutely perfect together. She famously told him, and I love this story, she famously told him that watching his performance in Peggy Sue Got Married was like watching a two-hour car accident. And that comes directly from Cage's mouth in the GQ interview. He says that. But she fought very hard to get him cast in the picture, even threatening to walk away from the movie if they didn't put him in it. Peter Gallagher was the studio's choice, but Cher thought Cage would bring something unique to it, and he did. And we'll have more on that in the Cage Factor section. I'm very glad that she fought for him to be in this movie. Oh, me too. Absolutely. I couldn't I couldn't see Peter Gallagher in that role at all. That's nothing against Peter no, Gallagher. Not, not, not a, at all. I've, I enjoy him quite a bit, but... Again, we go back to we've. This is maybe the third time we've mentioned this on the show. It's the Peggy Sue thing where they wanted to put Tom Hanks or somebody like right. that in the movie, and it would have been fine with Tom Hanks or Dennis Quaid. But Nicolas Cage brings a point of view and a and a toolbox at his disposal to bring something very special to material. Yes, and very ma- unique. Very unique. And when material is this good. He he can he can do wonders with it, and he he really did here. I also want to make a note here because I was I've been thinking about this movie a lot, and I really do love this movie. Did you catch a little bit of the quote unquote horror vibe in this movie? Because there's the moon and the werewolf. Mm-hmm. Did, did, were you catching yeah. that? The moon making people do crazy things like yes. the werewolf. I I love it. I thought they did. This, this so is good. really a great movie. It really, is. I actually think it's one of my favorite. That we've done for this, that we've watched. Right. It's so good. Right. Uh, Raising Arizona, I know, was one that you really liked. I um, think this face Off, it. Face Off was one that you, you really liked. Yeah. And this is just from top to bottom a really great movie. And I want to say, can I say one other thing about this movie sure. before we move on? We're living in an age where diversity is this buzzword. You know, everybody likes to say the words diversity and mm-hmm. representation and things like that. And they say that... 
Uh, I think one of the most ridiculous things I've heard recently is that Brian Cranston was in a movie with Kevin Hart recently. Do you remember, you know, the movie I'm talking about? I can't remember the name of the film. Me neither, but I know what you're talking about. And he plays a quadriplegic in the film and people were getting all up in arms because they didn't hire an actual quadriplegic Mm -hmm. to play a role that required, I think, walking possibly in flashbacks or something. But it's just gotten to that point where it's just ridiculous, right. you know. And I'm really waiting for somebody, you know, to say like, well, you can't cast that person in that role because he's not really a vampire, you know, or, or something, <laughs> something absolutely ridiculous. And and you, you're hearing this more and more. And I'm not saying that, you know, representation is not something maybe – you know, we should look at and possibly do a better job with. Okay. I, I get that, but I'm Italian. Uh, my family, uh, is from Sicily. We're Sicilian faith. You're Sicilian. We're, Mm -hmm. so we're both, we both have a lot of Italian blood in us. Um, this is about an Italian family and most of the people in this movie are not Italian. (laughs) Nicholas Cage is Italian and Vincent Gardenia is Italian. Julie Bavasso playing the aunt is Italian. I think that's it. Olympia Dukakis is Greek. Greek. Um, Cher is Jewish. Uh, Is she Jewish or American Indian? Yeah, she's like Armenian and... um, Possibly American Indian? Yeah, I read it. She's like a few... uh, Something else. Yeah. She's definitely not Italian. Beautiful beautiful woman, though. (laughs) And But what I'm saying is like... So, I mean, these are not all exclusively Italians. And you know what? I don't care. Me neither. I really don't care. They played Italian so well, though, so it's like, whatever, you know? (laughs) It's written so well and performed so well, I feel at times I'm watching my family. Right. I really do. (laughs) And and so I I don't want to get on a soapbox with this, but this is one of those things. If you if 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 you're up in arms about all of that, Brian Cranston playing a quadriplegic, Olympia Dukakis won an Oscar for playing an Italian, and she's Greek. Right. And I know she's Greek, and it doesn't matter I to know. me because she's wonderful, and she was the best actress at that time for yeah. that role. So I agree. that's all I'm saying. That that's all I'm. Saying. I'm with you. I get you. It's acting. It's pretend. <laughs> it's pretend. So anyway, let's move on to our next category. I never gave my score. Oh, I'm sorry, Faith. I thought you did. I'm sorry. It never did. You started it off. Faith, how did, I'm sorry. How did you score Moonstruck? I also gave it a four. Basically for every reason for you every just reason. stated. Do you have anything else uh, outside of things that I no, said? No, not really. I already said that, you know, I don't like romantic movies and this one just kind of pulls you in. And it's wonderful. You're, yeah, it, it doesn't bother me, so... I, I do like the romantic comedy when it's done well. Unfortunately for me, it's I'm, I don't find it. I'm many just very of them picky be, about it yeah. because they're just they're so overdone in a right. way, and it's just like. Mm. Right. Well, let me ask you: Do you have a favorite romantic comedy? Right now, this one because I can't think of anything else. Okay, <laughs> off Fair the enough. top of my head. Uh, my favorite older romantic comedy is the Philadelphia Story from 1941, starring uh, Catherine Hepburn, Cary Grant, and Jimmy Stewart. As one of my favorite movies of all time. I've never seen it. It's a, it's a great movie, and one of my newer favorite ones, um, which is amazing because I don't like too many people in this movie, is 1997's My Best Friend's Wedding. I think oh, that's yeah. a wonderful, I've wonderful watched that film. So many times. That's that's. A- it's yeah. just it's funny, but it's interesting. You can do the thing where you a b Moonstruck and my best friend's wedding, and it's you know are they going to get together? How are they going to get together? Not so much with Moonstruck, which is right. why I like it so much because it breaks so many of those exactly. genre genre um, things. So well, let's move on to hair and faith. How did you score his hair in this movie? I gave the hair a four. 
I also gave it a four. Why did you go with the four? I said it somewhat reminded me, and see if you agree, of a greasier, wilder version of Vampire's Kiss hairdo. Yes. I kind of got the Vampire's yes. Kiss vibe from it. Um, and I think it really fits his character. And then even when he gets fixed up, he, you know, it still fits him when he goes to the opera. I'm, I'm with you on that. I think um, it just fits who he is. Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm with you. And uh, so my notes here are this was the hardest category for me to score for this film. This this was I was on the fence between a three five and a four, and and I'll get to why I was on the fence with it I was about to ask with why. with the score because of of the score that's coming up. So okay. uh, let's see. I went with the four because I think the hair serves the character completely. If you look at it from the point of view of Beauty and the Beast, that's that's why I went with it. Okay. So his hair doesn't have that every which way quality about it that it does in Raising Arizona. But when we first meet him in the bakery around the fires of the oven, and I want to read my note here, I have fire in all caps because <laughs> I can see from here. You should be, because Faith, <laughs> you have this theory that Nicolas Cage has a thing for fire. He's obsessed with fire. Every movie has fire in it. Or he talks about it, or it's, there's fire everywhere there's with him. Fu- something's on fire. I mean, something's on fire. Every time. Um, but uh, it's pretty crazy looking, and he really does have a feral look about him. It also cleans up very nicely, as you said, mm-hmm. uh, as we see in the opera scenes when he's in full tuxedo, but it still has a unique flavor to it. He also scores points for it being his actual hair as opposed to a hairpiece, although you can see where he started to thin out in the back. And mm-hmm. in some scenes, if you in some scenes, if you look close enough, I like your use of flavor there. My, flavor. It has a unique <laughs> flavor to it. Yes. Because you can tell like it's being held down by like a little bit of, uh, you know, product and, yeah. and, 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 and prayers, <laughs> you know. I, I like it. I really, I really do like it though. Um, let's see. So our next category, face. I scored this one for Nicks. I also gave it for Nicks. Let's see. And my note here is this was another difficult category to score, but I ultimately went with the four because of what he's not doing, which is which is kind of interesting mm-hmm. here. Uh, usually, you know, we have the cage face, you know, and I mean, he's everybody's seen the memes and and all that good stuff, but. Um, he gets the four from me for the last 10 minutes of the film when he shows up at Cher's house and is sitting at the breakfast table with the family and not saying much, but you can see everything going through his head. When he does emote or go over the top, as his detractors would say, he's channeling his inner German expressionism and silent film star. The last 10 minutes of the movie, though, are where it's at in the face department, and I think it's funny because he scores so high because he's not all caps making cage face. What did, and let's talk about that scene. What did you think about the last 10 minutes there? Because I think that to me is some of the finest acting he's ever done without saying a single word. It is. And you had texted me to kind of watch out for it, you know, kind of pay attention to that. And I did. And I think I watched it three or four times. I'm like, wow. I mean, he doesn't have to do anything. Right. (laughs) I did. I I did indeed text you that. I said, really pay it just, and that was just more of not for the scoring, just really look at like what he's doing here as an actor. And I, I watched it twice for sure. I think I texted you after the second watch because I went, wow, look at just what he's doing in character with his eyes and emoting with his, with his face and Mm -hmm. body is just really amazing. He, this is, he really did deserve uh, an Oscar nomination for this. I think so too. I don't put much stock in awards, but every now and then you, you go, you know, somebody needs to recognize that for, exactly. for being as good as it is. And I think, you know, as 
and this is a showy performance, but not in the big over the top way that something like Vampire's Kiss is. But there's some chops happening here. It's easy not to notice him, I think, sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, especially like I said, in that last scene, there's so much going on around him, but he is so anchored in the scene. It's really amazing. Uh, I really like this next category, Faith. Our next category is voice. How did you score voice? I gave it four nicks. I also went with the four. How did you come to the four nick score? Man, just the <laughs> pretty much the whole bride and his hand scene just kind of took it for me. That's the one. That's the one that. That's the there one. Were, that, there were other little moments, but that one specific that's, scene. Is that's just, the one. Uh, my note is he's doing a raspy, almost guttural thing here. <laughs> That is animalistic in its delivery. And one of the things that I remember about this movie from the first time I ever saw it 30 some odd years ago, you know, isn't that something I talked about this with Peggy Sue? That's what I remember from the first time I watched Peggy Sue was his voice. And I remember him and his voice in Moonstruck from the first time that I saw it. Uh, It's not hard to miss. (laughs) It's not hard. So a lot of this is subdued for the most part, but there are some absolutely standout moments that merit the four. And here we go. Like the I lost my hand moment, the grab the big knife and the son of a bitch moment. Uh, Let's see. I can do an approximation of the son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. Which almost kind of sounds like the principal from Beavis and Butthead, you know. Oh, you bastards. But uh, yeah, the I lost my hand moment that's on YouTube, you know, it's just, I lost my hand <laughs> and it's, it's beautiful. It's just, he clued into that. He talks about that in the GQ interview with the uh, with the expressionism that he's the operatic silent film thing he's doing there. I think it's beautiful. I really do. I don't, I don't really have a word to describe it. <laughs> Yeah. Because it's not crazy, but it's just like... And you giggle at it, but you're not laughing at right? him. You know, it, you're laughing at the whole thing. And the movie really is operatic, and opera is a running thing through this, which makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. I, I just love this movie. So. Me too. <laughs> uh, Faith, the final category, the cage factor. How did you score the cage factor? No surprise here. I gave it four nicks, just like the other categories. I also... I also gave it four nicks, and as I said, when I was scoring hair, which was my last category to score, I realized that it was going to be a perfect score if I gave it the four, and it's not that I didn't want to, you know, yeah, I was opposed right. to giving it the perfect score, but I wanted to make sure, like, you know, because I gave one to raise in Arizona, and I wanted to make sure. See, I felt that I had to because of how much I just love this movie overall. Right. I felt like I needed it to just win completely. <laughs> <laughs> So my note here is Peter Gallagher is a fine actor, as I've said. I've enjoyed him in many films, but I don't think we he would have brought the inventiveness to the movie that Cage does, nor do I think that he would have made Ronnie as, quote-unquote, quietly explosive as Cage does. Cage says he clued into the Beauty and the Beast aspect of the script before he knew Shanley was drawing inspiration from it. Uh, as much as I love all three of the early Cage performances on the list, and uh, we talked about those, Raising Arizona and Peggy Sue Got Married, this one might be my favorite of the three because he shows a romantic side that I believe he has in real life and plays the tortured side so well, which again pisses me off because he really is the perfect guy to play Ghost Rider, and we got shorted by those movies. Uh, this really is an amazing performance, and I love him in it, and I love him as part of this ensemble, and I also just absolutely love this movie. It's very good notes. You have anything? I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, it's so good. <laughs> he takes his role and literally is just cage with it. You know? I mean? Oh, he's 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 unbelievable. Also wrote, "Come on, he has a wooden hand." <laughs> yes, 
He has a wooden hand and in the movie. And he makes it obvious. <laughs> and he bakes bread. And <laughs> and there's fire. And there's fire and share. And it's it, this is a really wonderful movie. I, I really can't overstate how good this movie is. Please, if you haven't seen this movie, watch it. If, you, if it's been forever, watch it. And, and if you saw it just now, watch it again. Because it's really that good. It, it and the is. soundtrack is wonderful. And everybody in this movie is is top notch. This is one of my favorite movies we've done on the show. All the mm-hmm. horror movies and cage movies included. This is really good Me stuff. <laughs> so my total came to 20 nicks and yours came to 20, 20 mm-hmm. both for an average of four nicks, which is also what the final score for Moonstruck will be. So we're going to take a very short break, but when we get back, we're going to talk about another fun movie that probably would have had a better chance of advancing if it was going up against a lot of other movies, exactly. but this is how, how it rolled. But we're still going to talk about it because it's, it's worth talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of fun. We're going to be talking about Gone in 60 Seconds when we get back from this break. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we will see you on the other side. Madame Hill's Juju Emporium, specializing in amulets, talismans, and spell books. Madame Hill's Juju Emporium, located on Sacred Burial Road next to King's Drive-In Theater. Madame Hill's Juju Emporium. Juju for you, you. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. We're going to continue with Cage Match Monday. We just finished up with 1987's Moonstruck. We're moving on to 2000's Gone in 60 Seconds. We were getting a coffee refresh during the break, and Faith and I apparently have a differing of opinions on this movie that we're going to discuss as this goes on. So this should be fun. Yes. We're going to have a polite, respectful, <laughs> civil discussion. Speak for yourself. No, just- we will. <laughs> We'll beat up on each other when we're off of the air. That's how we do I'm not, it. I'm not too harsh with this. It- Faith, I promise you I will not say anything to you that would make you feel bad. I, I would do that behind your back. <laughs> Let's do it. Gone in 60 Seconds was released on June 9th, 2000. The film was produced by Uber producer Jerry Bruckheimer. I love calling him Uber producer because he is. He's the Uber producer. <laughs> Uh, Let's see. This film is the third collaboration between Cage and Bruckheimer after The Rock and Con Air. The film is a very loose remake of the 1974 film of the same name and was directed by Dominic Cena, who would go on to direct Cage's face-off star John Travolta in 2001 Swordfish and would team up again with Cage for 2011 Season of the Witch. The film was written by Scott Rosenberg, who wrote the screenplay for Con Air. Cage stars as Randall Memphis Reigns, a car thief who must come out of retirement to aid his brother Kip, played by Giovanni Ribisi, who has gotten in over his head with international gangster Raymond Calitri, played by Christopher Eccleston, and a former Doctor Who. Cool. There you go. Memphis needs to steal 50 expensive cars over three days to satisfy Kip's debt to Calitri. He recruits his former associates, played by Angelina Jolie, the always great Kai McBride, and the legendary Robert Duvall. To complicate matters, Cage and his crew must steal the cars while being tailed by two police officers, played by the also always greats Delroy Lindo and Timothy Oliphant. Gone in 60 Seconds was produced on a budget of $90 million and grossed $101 million at the North American box office with an additional 
$135 million coming from overseas receipts adjusted for inflation gone in 60 seconds made $169 million domestically. Now, Faith, we do have a differing of opinion here from what I have been told. Just a little. All right. And I am going to go ahead and say I gave this film three nicks for overall film. How did you score it? See, it wasn't too harsh. I gave it two and a half. So that's not too bad. Too bad. That's not too bad. (laughs) I told you it wasn't too bad. uh, Let me read my note here on this. Uh, This movie is way more fun than it has any right to be. And it all comes down to the fun performances from everyone involved in the quote unquote high concept, which is highfalutin screenwriting terminology. It means any movie that can be succinctly pitched. For example, what if we could clone dinosaurs? Faith, you know what that movie is, right? Mm -hmm. Jurassic Park. Mm -hmm. What if the Nazis were looking for the lost Ark of the Covenant? What movie is that, Faith? Is it Indiana Jones? Indiana Jones. (laughs) What if Nicolas Cage had to steal 50 cars in a night? What movie is that? That's just that's just Tuesday for Nicolas Cage. Pretty much, yeah. That's Tuesday. <laughs> but uh, that's, of course, this movie. Of the four Cage-Bruckheimer collaborations we've done so far, which are Con Air, the two National Treasure movies, and Gone in 60 Seconds, this one is actually my favorite. It's a ridiculous comic book of a movie, but there is a grounded quality to me, and the stakes feel real. I also think, and I, see, I say this every time, I think Bruckheimer really... Knows how to huge ca- use Cage. Huge. Yeah, you had things huge. <laughs> but he knows how to use him and make these types of movies. And Cage knows how to carry these types of movies. And it looks like he, he's doing it effortlessly. I like the action pieces. I didn't feel like they were going to give me a seizure, even with all the quick cuts. Uh, it comes down for me to the story and performances. A lot of fun. I did take off points because the last car stunt was CGI. I understand it was probably done for safety reasons. Or because they could do it with the computers, but I feel it's completely against the spirit of the film. All right, what's happening over there? I believe our coffee pot is percolating. It sounds like it's possessed. It might be. It's probably some demon that Antoine or something let loose, or you know, who knows? the demon was the demon wanted to get into the flavor rich goodness <laughs> of the so uh, good. Highland the demons coffee. That's right. <laughs> So would you like my notes? I would love your notes on this. I wrote, there are scenes and moments I enjoy of this movie, but I think as one cohesive piece, I get a little lost, maybe just bored a little okay. bit. I don't okay. know. It's Fine. not a terrible movie. I just felt like it was dragging a little and I wanted more of something. I don't know. That's Maybe more action or something. I like action movies. Maybe I just wanted. You're completely in line with a lot of the critics fire. of the, of the <laughs> time. More fire. Uh, Jerry, this movie needs more fire. <laughs> Uh, I, I went into this expecting to flame it cause it had been a while since I'd seen it. I mean, I really did. I was expecting like, like this is right. going to be a one, but here we go. This is going to be a one five. And I really, something just really clicked with me in this movie. I don't, and I can't say it's nostalgia because I didn't have, I don't, I didn't have like, you know, warm feelings toward this movie. Right. Like I do something like face off cause I, I saw it on video. I didn't go to the theaters to see this in I don't know what it was. I just went, it, it, it just hit me right when I watched it and I really enjoyed it. And for me, the story is just so simple. Like, well, we're going to steal 50 cars. Let's go. You know? And I texted you too while I was watching this. And I was like, do you notice that not only is there always fire, he's always stealing something. <laughs> yeah. What's yeah, up with Brooke that? likes to have him steal things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always. So I, I don't know, you know, it, it really just, just, and it is, it's my favorite one of the, can I ask why? Like, exa- like, I mean, what is it? Like, 
can you pinpoint it? It seems like he's having a lot of fun just kind of being the the driver. And I'm not trying to be funny there, like the driver of this movie. Mm -hmm. And he's having fun with that accent. And Robert Duvall's in it. And Kai McBride just... Like, I like most of the supporting cast. You also get an early appearance from Michael Pena, who's been in the Ant-Man movies. Uh, I Scott Kahn is also in it. And I, I really like the cast outside of Angelina Jolie, who I'm not a fan of. Did not change my mind here. This is when she was on the rise, too. She thinks she had just won an Oscar. She was the It Girl. She kind of creeped me out in this movie. She kind of creeped me out a little bit, too. Yeah. yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, a little... Almost seemed a little toxic, didn't she? Yeah. A little bit, yeah. It was like something from, I don't know what it reminded me of. but With, with a little bit of too cool for school. Yeah, right? the, the hair. Was but, just, I, I don't know. It could we're not be, here for her, though. You know, when I watched this movie on a day, it, it, it you know, it's been 98 degrees here, and mm-hmm. it was only 92 that day, so I was feeling good about life. I don't know. It just, it really hit me right when I watched it. So that's, that's why I gave it the score that I did. All right. So... Well, you want to move on? Yes. Do you have any other notes on that? I do not. Would you like to would you like to trash this amazing work of art? <laughs> no. I'm good. Let's move on to hair. All right, fine. You do realize that this is somebody out there's favorite movie and you just and you just <laughs> That's fine. stepped on it. It's just my personal opinion. I I don't I don't jump for joy when I think of this movie. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> uh hair, I score two point five nicks. I gave it two nicks. All right, we're a little closer now. Let's see. My note here is this quaff seems to be the shorter version of the John Milton do from Drive Angry, and it too has that Chad Kroger from Nickelback look. I think it's fine and is definitely a hair piece, and maybe it's unfair, but I had to take off points because it does remind me of Nickelback. And that faith puts me into a dark place, mm-hmm. a very dark place. Mm-hmm. I understand that completely. No, I said this is definitely not my favorite hairdo. I do not think that that's the color for him. And it also reminds me of early NSYNC Justin Timberlake. Ooh, two, <laughs> two kind of rotten musical influences on there, right? Yeah. Wait, like I, I'm that saying ramen this. ramen noodle hair. Are you? Yeah. Color, oh, you know, yeah. Like just, oh, yeah. Where it was like, is like kind of puby? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, kind of, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, ooh, that's now that's all I'm thinking of. Thank you, Faith. <laughs> Thank you very much. Sorry for everyone who loves his hair. Yeah, let's let's film. let's move on. Let's move on to voice. How did you score the voice? I was a little nicer, and I gave it three nicks here. I gave it three five, uh, just because I knew it wasn't going to pass. You know, uh, Moonstruck. Uh, I like when Cage does what I'm now calling the mumble drawl. That's right. that's that's what we're officially yeah. calling it. The kind of slurred Southern thing he gets going. And my note here is, it's like the ZZ Top of voices. Are they Southern Rock? Are they Blues? Are they Texas Boogie? They're all of those things. Kind of like this voice. (laughs) Uh, Let's see what else it has here. This one doesn't have the instantly comic effect of Cameron Cameron Poe from Con Air. But there's a soothing quality to it I was really enjoying. And enough of those little cage moments to justify the high score. And I'm just going to say it right here on the show. I I gave it the high score because of Donnie Lowrider. Lowrider Donna. Yeah, that's which, that's that's why I gave it the amazing. three. Uh, also, like when he went to the dealership and he put on that weird 
fake accent was very proper. Yes. I like that moment. Yes. That's kind of why I gave it a three. The movie's not without its charm. It's not without its charm. Let's see. Face, I went two and a half nicks. Uh, Nothing too out of the box, but I don't think he was channeling his inner German expressionism. But I really like the look on his face when he's listening to Lowrider and getting into the zone. There's an almost zen-like quality to him in that scene. There are a few other moments where he pulls a face, but for the most part, he's keeping it down the middle and grounding the movie. I also gave it two and a half, and I literally said just about the same things in my notes. The, the low rider scene is definitely amazing. I think that's I think that's amazing. Yeah. Low rider faith. Low rider. <laughs> and finally, cage factor. I went two point five on the cage factor, with my note being a nice and fun performance with some genuine cagey moments that really works in the context of the movie. I do think this movie would not have been as entertaining with anyone else, quote unquote, driving it. See what I did there? Pun intended. Pun intended. He doesn't overshadow the rest of the cast, and I like the scenes he has with Kai McBride, Duvall, and with Delroy Lindo. He doesn't go full nouveau shaman, and there could have been more fire. Mm-hmm. How did you score it? <laughs> Two and a half. I just said that he could have brought a whole lot more of his nouveau shamanic aspect here. Shamanic? Shamanic? I don't think we no, ever... No, you're doing it. Shamanic. Sh- I like shamanic. Nouveau shamanic. I think it's shamanic. <laughs> That's fine. You say potato. I say potato as well. <laughs> so my total is, it came out to 14 nicks. My average score, 2.8 nicks. My total was 12 and a half, which to- uh, averaged 2 and a half. All right. Well, we will take a very short break and get the averages for both of these films together we will see you on the other side and give you a preview of what's going to be happening next week i am dan and i am faith and we will see you on the other side Nouveau Shaman, the new fragrance by Cage. A unique blend of chest hair, weirdness, strangeness, and one Academy Award. Nouveau Shaman. Nouveau Shaman, the scent that will rip your face off. Nouveau Shaman. Nouveau Shaman by Cage. Available in fine fragrance stores in Cozy Corner and around the world. Nouveau Shaman. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright here on Cage Match Monday. I am Dan. And I am Faith. All right, Faith. So we had Moonstruck go up against Gone in 60 seconds. Moonstruck has a perfect score of four nicks. What did Gone in 60 seconds come out to? 2.65. Not terrible. Not terrible. Not a, not a terrible score. So it's gonna, it remains to be seen what Moonstruck will be facing in the second round. And Faith, next week we have... What do we have going up against we each other? We have uh, Knowing and The Wicker Man. This is going to be a really neat matchup and part of the fun of doing this show. And we've we've hit a couple of these, uh, one or two of these, where you have Knowing, which is a really good movie. I think it's a really, really well done movie. Mm-hmm. Roger Ebert gave it four stars when it came out, if you can believe that. <laughs> it's a really fine, well done thriller. Then you have the Wicker Man, which is totally awful. It is an all by his own admission, but he's absolutely cagey in it. It may even be the first five five on the cage factor. <laughs> so, so I don't I don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't you know, know, I don't know if we have enough cagey elements in knowing to pull that over the the finish line. So. This is why we we'll do see. this. We do this so you out there don't have to. That's, <laughs> but they should. But you should. But they should, because it's so much fun. <laughs> you should. 
And so next week will be round eight. It will be the last round of the first round of the cage match. And then we'll move in to the next round of individual matchups. And we're going to add categories and score those categories and see who's going to move on. So it's been a lot of fun, hasn't it, Faith? It has. I don't want it to end. (laughs) I don't want this to end either. And we're having so much fun with this. We are considering possibly extending the cage Mondays a little bit, maybe doing some themes just because we're having so much fun watching his movies. Let's and just talking do the, about I mean, it. he has so many movies. Let's just do all of them. We, oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> We'd be here forever, but you know, we're going to, we're going to need some drugs for that. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to need some hallucinogens. <laughs> so, but, um, this has been fun. So congratulations, Moonstruck. You move on to face the winner of knowing in the wicker man and that episode will be out next week as always all of our cage match monday episodes are available wherever podcasts can be found i am dan and i am faith and we want you to keep Keep your your cage cage on on a leash. leash we will see you on the other side Dan and I am Faith and we want to let you know that we are on the world wide web that's the interwebs isn't it Faith that's what I like to call it the interweb www.latenightfright.com and we are also on the gram we are you can check us out at the late night fright podcast or you can also follow my personal page I'm a normal alien you're not exactly normal but that's okay (laughs) uh check out the website you can subscribe to our mailing list and if you like the show please give us a review and subscribe and all that good stuff you know us we're available wherever podcasts can be found you got that right we'll see you on the other side